Welcome to today's episode of Tuesday's Tips in our podcast show. Today we have the privilege of having Jay Abiona in our studios. Jay is the owner of Credible Security Solutions. Jay speaks about how he started off as a security guard, eventually getting into detective work, and from there starting his own private security firm. Jay goes into detail on our show about how to protect you and your family and protect your home during these times of social unrest. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this show. Hey everyone, Dave Markowitz here, part of Dave Anetta's real estate team, and today's episode and podcast of Tuesday's Tips. And today I have the privilege of speaking with somebody that's um, in security. And when I say security, I don't mean a bodyguard. I mean a full security firm. His name is Jay Abiona, and he is part of CSS, which is Credible Security Solutions. And I want to give you a little background about Jay, so you guys, before he gets into his whole story. And Jay started as a security guard in 1990. Uh, In 1994, he decided to go into more private investigation, and that led him to his calling, which is starting his own company uh, in New York, and now he's based out of Houston, Texas, and he's done a lot of uh, interesting stuff, and uh, he'll get into all of that. And so anyways, Jay, thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm excited um, to get somebody's view of what's happening in the world today, specifically with all the social unrest that we're seeing on the streets and how you can help people because of your expertise in, uh, in security and your tips. So welcome to the show and how'd you get started? Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I started in New York in 1990, basically as a security guard. I mean, I think growing up in some pretty rough neighborhoods in New York, um, I think always feeling like I needed to protect myself and just some of the neighborhoods that I lived in just made me feel like, um, you know, it was a rough environment. I think it just basically led me down that path. And at the time in 1990, I just really thought it was a job, um, not knowing that it would lead to a career. And as you said, I went from a security guard in 1990 to store detective. Um, I basically, when I retired from the corporate world, I was a regional loss prevention director. So I was doing all of the investigations for a particular retailer. Um, internal investigations, but I just saw that there was something wrong in the security industry and in the investigation industry, and I wanted to change the company culture or at least change the culture in the industry, and that's what made me open up Credible Security Solutions in 2011. So we've been open here in Houston um, for a little over nine years now. You, You specialize in, as far as I know, also in the interview process, Um, and I'd like to get your take on you know, as you're interviewing people, what to look for. I know you, and by the way, just so everybody knows, Jay's also a public speaker. He speaks on the circuit regarding security. So he knows his stuff. And uh, talk to me a little bit about, as you were interviewing somebody, what you're looking for, because I know you look at facial recognition features, things that people do to kind of give you their tell, so to speak. So I'd like to get your input on that. Right. You know, it's, It's interesting you say that because it all goes together. So when I was in um, internal investigations for a retailer and I saw how many employees were stealing from the company. I mean, they say about 30% of shrink is from 
from external, which would be shoplifting or organized retail crime. They say close to 60% of internal losses are because of employees. Wow. And it makes sense when you think about it, right? I mean, a shoplifter comes in the store, even if he comes in the store every day for five minutes, that's 35 minutes a week, as opposed to your employee who has keys, who knows where the cameras is, uh, who knows where the cameras are, who has access to the registers, who knows the internal procedures, and they're there for 40 hours. So it makes sense. You have more of an internal problem. And when I did all of these theft interviews and conducted what we called high shrink assessments, stores that had huge loss, we started realizing that it was internal theft. And it made me step back and it made me say, why are all these employees stealing? Is this something that we could have possibly seen during the interview when we hired the person? Interesting. You know, you know employees can rationalize why they steal from a company. Um, they feel like they have the need. But there's one thing that we have full control over, and that's basically the opportunity. Are we giving them the opportunity to steal? And I felt like it always went back to the interview. There was something we could find out during that interview as opposed to why we should or shouldn't hire the person, which made me take the technique that I used in interviews, which was interview and interrogation techniques to get people to admit to theft. We tweaked some of those techniques to help people interview people properly for a job so they can ask those open-ended questions and they can actually read body language to tell if the person is being honest or dishonest and also read facial microexpressions. Um, can you give me an example of something on sure. a facial microexpression that we should Yeah, so, 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 so a, a couple, two, two quick examples from an interviewing point of view. Um, you know, someone who's interviewing someone for a job may say, did you like your old job? Yes. Did you like your boss? How did you get along with your boss? And that person may say, yeah, I liked them a lot. <laughs> but in an interview, it makes you say, why in a split second did they pierce their lips and did their eyebrows come down? They showed a flash of anger. So when I mentioned the boss's name, it was, when it, it was in a timely manner that they showed anger. Now, that doesn't mean they did anything wrong and it doesn't mean they're lying. But it does tell me from an interviewing point of view, there's something there I need to look at. I need to ask more questions about their boss. Why were they angry or why did they show that flash of anger when I mentioned that boss's name? So there goes one example from an interviewing point of view. On the opposite end, when I would interview people for theft, I didn't necessarily know everything they were involved in. I may have known one item they were stealing. But when I would do the interview, I would name different ways that we did investigations and different things that we would see. And when I would name different ways, people can steal cash, they can steal merchandise, they can steal time. I may see a smile on their face, which made me know that's not something they're doing. Or I may have seen a flash of fear, which made me say, why when I mentioned cash theft, did they have a flash of, a flash of fear on their face? So it made me start looking more into the cash theft when I did the interview. So you so had the micro expressions. Yeah, so you had this way of actually bringing it out of them based on the questions that you were asking them. And you drew, you drew that fear out of them, basically. And, and a smart technique is basically what you did. Right. And it's not trying to make them fearful. Let them have whatever emotion they're going to have, but it's being able to read it. And it's also the way you ask the questions. You know, if you ask a close-ended question, you're going to get a yes or no answer. You know, um, if you just say to someone, do you have a, a criminal background? Nope, I don't. 
as opposed to we're a big company, we hire a very thorough investigator who's going to do a thorough background check. Is there any reason why a criminal background would come up when we did your background check? That changes a little bit. Or is there anything that's going to come up in your criminal background check that we should talk about now? That's an open-ended question. It gets them talking more. So one, you get a more truthful answer. And two, you have more to read from a body language point of view if you get them talking more. Going into that point, have you ever started seeing them sweat? Literally, like, once you're – they knew they made a mistake in the interview process and they kind of had to weasel their way out? So I I wouldn't say sweat. It it is definitely a tell. It is definitely a body language marker. But what I always tell people is they've got to come in clusters. It can't just be one body language marker. That doesn't necessarily mean the person's being – Uh, deceptive. You know, it has to come in clusters. So you may see the person sweating. You may see their tone of voice go lower for particular questions. They may be sitting up straight in the chair speaking to you. And then when you start talking about their old job, they may slouch during the question. So there's a lot of different body language markers to look out for. They may move their chair back. They may keep their legs out. They may sit on the edge of the chair, which means they kind of can't wait to get out of the room. There's a lot of different things to look at. Again, nothing is a telltale sign that someone's being deceptive. But if you only go on a resume, you may have wrong information. And if you only go on the words of an interview, you may have wrong information. It's really putting it all together and then coming up with the best solution as to whether you want to hire the person or not. Interesting. So I want to get into another subject um, that... I want the audience to know. So you, from 2011, um, were part of the security detail in Times Square for the New Year's Eve Eve ball dropping. So you were the company that was overseeing the security of watching that ball that has Sikorsky crystal in it, correct? And all that stuff. I'd love to to know that story. How'd you get that job? And because that, that is a major thing to have on your resume. So everything, go, everything comes full circle. So it's actually not my company per se that did the security for the event, but I was subcontracted to run the security for the event. So the security company that I worked for in 1990, the first job I ever got in security, they actually have the contract um, with Walgreens. And okay. a lot of people may not know that Walgreens flagship store is in one Times Square. So that's their main building. And on the roof of one Times Square is the ball that you mentioned. So yeah, it's 11,000 pounds. It's 12 feet tall. It's got 2,946 crystals, Waterford crystals. It's an amazing place to be. And um, they actually had the contract because I was in communication with the owner of that company for so long. And I've known him since 1990. He, He entrusted me to run the security for him for that event. So from 2011 until 2019, we basically handled all of the high-profile access points from the ball itself on one Times Square um, to the Hard Rock Cafe on 42nd and Broadway to the three stages that led up to 46th Street where the main stage was. Um, You know, you see all the performers um, on New Year's Eve and then the TV truck on 48th Street. So we had about um, 40 security officers working And again, we didn't really do the protection part of it. NYPD did. I mean, you have almost a million people in attendance. You have, um, you know, counterterrorism, FBI, DEA, every municipality is there protecting this event. 
And uh, NYPD did a phenomenal job. They did all the searching of the people. What we really handled was the high profile access points like the stage and things of that nature. But it was a great event, something wonderful to be a part of. I mean, it's the largest party in the world and to be in the center of it for almost a decade. Amazing. Um, was a pretty amazing feeling for myself, yes. So now I wanna get into another thing that, that's all during, I would say the golden years. And we have change of what's happening right now in our country. And we're seeing a lot of social unrest. We're seeing a lot of talk about defunding the police. We're seeing people protecting their own properties. So I want to get into your expertise because I'm in real estate in terms of people owning homes. Can you first give us some tips, basic tips as a homeowner um, in big cities, we were seeing rioting and stuff. How can a homeowner protect their properties at this point in general uh, as social unrest and in general uh, of every day. I'd love to get your expertise on that. Sure. So, I mean, it, it really all, it always starts with self-awareness. It always comes down to protecting yourself. I mean, there's, you know, according to the department of justice, there's just, there's just about a million burglaries a year in our country, a million. And when you think about it, they say that just about 13% of them get solved. And it's because of lack of evidence. And majority of them are happening between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. And why is that? Because most burglars feel like no one's there. Now, the problem that we run into is COVID has got a lot of people working from home. So now, if we kept to that same statistic of a million burglaries happening majority of the times between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., now, because of COVID and people working from home, you don't have a burglary on your hands. You actually have a home invasion. Wow. And people really have to protect themselves. 30% of those burglaries. So you're talking about over 300,000 of those burglaries happen because someone left their window open or their door open. And I challenge everyone while they're watching this podcast, put it on pause and go in your house, check your front door, check your back door, check your patio door, check your garage door. I'm almost guaranteeing someone has something unlocked right now. So when I say that this starts with ourselves, it's really a matter of staying alert, and, staying alert and being safe. And I say that in all of the posts that we put online, because I think that if people were more alert and people took care of themselves more, a lot of these burglaries wouldn't be happening. So I think doing some simple things like making sure doors are locked, you know, something it's, it's very simple. If it has a lock on it, if it has a lock on it, it gets locked. That's it. You know, I have my kids saying, you know, should I lock the door? Absolutely. That's why the lock is there. Um, they don't ask that question anymore. It's pretty obvious. Right. I think they've learned pretty quick. But, you know, doing some simple things like that can really help people out. And it sounds elementary, you know, locking a door. How's that going to stop the burglary problem? I mean, there's a lot more that homeowners can do. And it's not just hiring a security company. You know, Dave, I know this. Not everyone can be our client. Not everyone can afford security. Not everyone fits into our company culture as a client, but just to provide the tips to help people protect themselves, they don't need a security company to be at their house protecting them. Um, crime prevention through environmental design. It sounds like this huge theory, but it's just doing some simple things that can help protect you. For instance, you buy a new TV, don't put the box out during garbage because now everyone knows you have a new TV. Um, Keeping the bushes trimmed so you can actually see out your windows or police could see in if they needed to, if there was something happening in your home. 
you know, not having bricks near your window, which is going to make it very easy for the burglar to pick up and break the window. Um, locking your door. Something as small as keeping your vehicle in your garage, not in your driveway, because now people don't know whether you're home or not. If they know that your car is always there when you're home, but it's not there, you're not home. It's a perfect time to do the burglary. So it's just some little things that you can do or that homeowners can do to tweak their home to just make sure that they're keeping their family safe. So you're, keep, you're basically keeping the burglar off balance and it's the unknown on their part saying, oh, I'm not really sure if they are home, they're not, but I'm not going to take that chance and find out. I may walk in and find myself the burglar in a situation where the homeowner is armed and they, you know, burglars don't want that kind of situation either. They don't want, they don't want attention brought to them, correct? Absolutely. They're looking for low hanging fruit. So there's so many different things. And this is why I say security's layers. Are you going to keep someone out of your house guaranteed? No. If they really want to get in, they're probably going to get in. But if you're doing things like having motion detector lights in the driveway and in the backyard, so they're off until the, the motion sensor is broken and then there's light on. Um, if you're doing things like having an alarm, you know, we don't deal with alarms, so I'm not trying to sell anything here, but I think spending $150 to get an alarm installed in your home, getting every window contacted, actually getting a glass break put in. So if someone breaks your glass, that would set the alarm off. And then putting signs up, letting people know that you have an alarm. And then to go a step further, actually using the alarm, arming it. There are people that I've heard have an alarm and they don't use it. For so years. It's very particular even how you use it. So if you're going to leave, if you have an alarm and you're going to leave, go ahead and arm it on a way. So your motion can work, your glass break will work, and you'll have a 30-second delay to put a code in to get into your own home without the alarm going off. As opposed to at night, I would, mark it on, I would, I would arm it on instant. You don't need a 30-second delay. If someone breaks a contact while you're home at night, you want the alarm to go off. So that's how I set my alarm. I basically set it on instant. So when I'm home at night, if someone broke a window or broke a contact, the alarm is going to instantly go off. You can even go a step further um, and get a duress code. You can call your alarm company and say, I'd like to enter a duress code so that if someone was invading my home at the same time I came home and they said, turn the alarm off, I'm going to put a certain code in that's still going to disarm the alarm, but it's going to let the alarm company know that I'm being robbed right wow. now. So it's all these little things setting up from the beginning and it's basically planning. And, you know, and that's, that's why I say stay alert and be safe. It's not live. It's not being scared, surviving life as a warrior. It's actually being prepared and living life as a warrior. I mean, it's actually preparing yourself for a problem to happen before it does. So then once it happens, you already know how to respond to it. So I want to uh, just let people know where they can find you, first of all, because I know your YouTube channel gives tremendous amounts of tips, um, and people should follow you on that because you really give them the basic, I think it's common sense tips, and I, I think that's what's great about you. You really get down to you know, just showing people how to, how to protect yourself and look forward thinking, and I think that's the way you're, you're training your people that, as you're teaching this the security thing. So Jay, where can people find you online? Tell us about that. Sure. Any social media platform from Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, um, Periscope, Facebook, 
credible security solutions, or you can just Google hashtag CSSONE, CSS1, and we come up on every social media platform. Feel free to follow us again. There's no sales pitches. There's no sales tactics. I know everyone can't be our client, but there's something that I do know that over 7 billion people in the world need, and that is to stay safe. And that's why we provide these security tips to keep people safe. Phenomenal. And I will have all that information down below. People will be able to see that as we're watching right now. And um, Jay, I just wanted again, thank you so, so much. Um, the information that you gave is, is incredible. Guys, follow his tips. He knows his stuff. He's experienced. And um, Jay, again, it's a pleasure, my friend. And uh, Same here, Dave. Thank you for will, having me on the show. We will be in touch. And guys, have a great, great day. Thank you again for watching our show. And um, have a great, great and safe week. Bye, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Dave Markowitz here. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast of Tuesday's Tips. Ned and I understand that you have many options to listen to, and we really appreciate you taking the time today. So if you can, just go ahead and share it with people you know. And again, thanks so much for taking the time today.